Hey, I'm Paul Perry. I'm Kim Hartsock, and you're listening to The Wrap, a Warren Averett podcast for business leaders designed to help you access vital business information and trends when you need it. So you can listen, learn, and then get on with your day. Now, let's get down to business. Hey, Paul. Hey, Kim. How are you today? I am great and glad to be back with another episode of The Wrap. And today's topic is something that I have probably gotten more phone calls on in the past year than anything else. And of course, that means we're talking about PPP. Absolutely. Looking forward to this conversation. Yeah. So we have one of our partners with us today, Adam West, and he was with us in the last season talking about PPP as it was rolling out. So welcome back, Adam. Good to be with you guys. And we have with us our guest today, Mark Woods, who is a senior vice president and the SBA executive director at South Point Bank. So welcome, Mark. We're glad to have you. Thank y'all for having me. Good afternoon. So Mark, if you want to just take a few minutes and further introduce yourself to our listeners, tell them a little bit more about what you do at South Point Bank. Sure, be glad to. I was hired by our CEO, Steve Smith, to really start up their government guaranteed lending division. South Point Bank had not had any uh, government guaranteed lending whatsoever, whether it be SBA, USDA. And I guess it was a little over a year ago, Steve actually hired me the week before PPP started. And uh, I was coming from, I had been in SBA lending for about 15 years and Steve hired me to come over and start uh, the SBA division for South Point. And we got up and running and got our systems together in one week. And we started inputting PPP the Monday that it started. Uh, Either he had impeccable timing or he (laughs) foresaw something, but that's pretty incredible timing on the bank's part. Yeah, he said he was lucky on the timing. I'm not sure he's lucky about the hire, but he was lucky on the timing for sure. And uh it's been a great it's been a great time at South Point. They're very eager to help clients. We've helped a lot of clients during this PPP time and both with just PPP loans, but also SBA lending. So uh it's a good bank and I'm fortunate to be there. Well, Mark, we're we're glad to have you with us. And and those that were on the listening last season, uh remember Adam. Adam uh, is a partner in our tax department and kind of runs um, heads up PPP uh, expertise for the firm. So, um, Adam, anything anything you want to expand on with with what you do? Thanks, Paul. Um, it, it has been you know as we look back over the past year, really crazy that you know where we've been and and where we've come with PPP rolling out you know a little over a year ago, and then we've had a second draw loan. All the changes that we've had. So just really, uh, I think, unprecedented the changes and the amount of funding uh, that w- we've seen over the last year. And I joke with Adam because he is our Warren Averett expert on all things PPP. And I joked with him asking if he was going to get a tattoo of PPP because it was so memorable and so much a part of who he was this past 12 months. But we are very grateful for Adam and all the knowledge that he was able to share with us and our clients related to this program. My wife vetoed the PPP (laughs) tattoo. So from a forgiveness perspective, and I guess that would be part of the next conversation is um, what are we seeing from the forgiveness side of of these loans that that people need to be aware of, that they need to focus on, that they need to keep in mind as they as they move forward? You know, I, I would encourage everybody that if you're you're looking to get your forgiveness done, is one to go ahead and do it now, um, just because I'm told what's how they're going to roll out the PPP forgiveness for the second round. 
we're all going under the assumption that it's going to be just like it was done during the first round. But so you don't get really, if you will, lost in the shuffle. If you haven't pod for forgiveness after the first round, you need to go ahead and get that done. Uh, we're already seeing some issues with some of the forgiveness that were done in the first round, um, getting lost in the shuffle, if you will, and haven't even been addressed yet. And originally the government said, SBA said they had 90 days to review them. Well, we're seeing loans that are 140 days and have yet to be reviewed. So if you really want to get your forgiveness done, I would tell people to be prompt and go ahead and get it started. We're also seeing a lot of auditing now, which I had not seen really up until the last couple of weeks. And we're seeing loans from as little as $3,000 up to nine, uh, $900 to $1,000,000 being audited. So you're getting it across the board, the auditing. So I guess if we could, if you would apply to your taxes, you know, we don't know who's really getting audited, but go ahead and get them in and get it done. And, and if you do have to go through the auditing process of a PPP, you'll be on the front end of it getting it done. And Mark, what are you seeing on the auditing front? Are there particular items that they're looking at or is just right now, is it mostly just random questions or kind of things of that nature? As far as the what, who they're auditing, it's just kind of a random, but what they're asking for is, is generally the same. They're, they're sending out a form letter that asks for four or five items. Occasionally, you'll get one that asks for a couple of more that's not standard. That's generally the larger loans. But every loan generally has, we need these five items. And what I'm finding interesting is, if you remember originally when we submitted, when you first started doing forgiveness, you had to attach your documents to your application when you submitted for forgiveness. Well, we've had reiterate our new iterations and it's changed the process to where now if we all as we all well know the 3508s if you've got one that there you do not have to submit the document backup documentation you just have to keep it six years in case the SBA comes back to audit you well what we're finding now when you get audited is they are requesting that documentation um, and we found some of our audits they had already submitted a lot of that documentation. And the government still said, hey, please submit this. The unique part about that was in the email where they let us know about the audit, they attached all the documents to the audit. So it seems a little redundant, but we're just turning around and sending them back all of the documentation they had already sent, plus some other certified information that the government is asking for. But for the most part, it's all the same audit letter, um, give or take one or two items. Uh, and it's not a very, pain. I'm sure people are going, oh, that's got to be a painful process, a lot like a tax audit. It's not. It's really what we ask you to do when we ask you to fill, fill out a PPP. Now we're asking you to send us the documentation proving you did what you said you were going to do. That's really all it is. Want to receive a monthly newsletter with wrap topics? Then head on over to warrenabert.com forward slash the wrap and subscribe to our email list to have it delivered right to your inbox. Now back to the show. So, Mark, you talked about auditing and that there's kind of a sampling of, of different loans that are getting audited. But specifically, you know, we were told that loans over $2 million would be audited. And the sense I'm getting from clients is that no one's really had much movement if they had a loan over $2 million. So is there a backlog for those loans? What's the process looking like from your perspective for those specific loans over $2 million? 
That's a great question. I attended the Nagel conference, and uh, for those that are familiar with what Nagel is, Nagel is the National Association of Government Guaranteed Lenders. They work very closely with the SBA division um, and really kind of are our voice to SBA, if you will, for all of the government guaranteed lenders that are out there. And that conference is always very informative. And they had a breakout session strictly around auditing and and these type of loans, especially the loans that were over $2 million. Uh, they had SBA representation there and SBA indicated to us that they realized that they had a backlog and they were very much aware of it. There was really no rhyme or reason why they had the backlog, but they were aware of it. And their goal was to address that and that they knew they were going to start addressing it in a very timely fashion. Now, timely to the SBA, well, I'm not sure what that is and I wouldn't, I, I dare say what kind of time frame that is, but I have yet to see movement on the loans that we have in our institution that are greater than uh, two million. And in discussions with other bankers in and around the area and some of my peers, they are seeing the exact same thing. Um, in fact, this morning through some emails, we had some exchanges that one bank only had one loan over two million. They had submitted everything and had not heard a word. Uh, and it was at a hundred almost thirty-five days. So. It really, there is no rhyme or reason. I think the good news is SBA realizes they have this backlog. They realize something has to be done and they are committed to getting to it as fast as they possibly can. It's been very difficult on those companies that are over 2 million on how they want to, you know, how are they going to put this in their taxes? It was a big headache for them and still not knowing when, and now that taxes are going to be coming due, it's been a source of frustration for some of these companies and SBA realizes that and they want to address it as fast as they possibly can. So let's uh, shift gears a little bit, Adam. Any additional guidance out there being released related to kind of the interplay between PPP and ERC, the employee retention credit? Any Anything new from that perspective and what you're seeing? It's clear that you can't use the same wages for both PPP forgiveness and ERC. Uh, what the guidance did was it from the IRS is it addressed that issue and, and basically allows the taxpayer or the borrower to choose, to pick and choose wages and to maximize their PPP forgiveness and their ERC if they're eligible. We were advising at the end of last year to when the new legislation came out that allowed PPP borrowers to now take advantage of the employee retention credits. We were advising generally to hold off on the forgiveness application for PPP just because we were concerned that if you put those wages on your on your PPP forgiveness application, that those wages wouldn't be eligible for uh, the employee retention credit. The IRS guidance did confirm that to where if you're using those wages for forgiveness on your forgiveness application, then those wages can't be used for ERC. And the best example I could give you, let's just use round numbers. Let's say you have a $100,000 PPP loan, but you used a 24-week covered period. So you you used 300000 of wages on your PPP forgiveness application. In that situation, only the 100000 that you actually needed for forgiveness would reduce eligible wages for purposes of the employee retention credit. All of those excess wages, the 200,000 above what you actually needed for forgiveness would be eligible for the employee retention credit, assuming you, you meet the requirements. So what we've seen 
is a lot of PPP borrowers that are eligible for ERC. One, they're picking and choosing which wages to use uh, for each one. And they're also filling up that 40% bucket when it comes to PPP using some of the non-payroll cost to increase the amount they can claim under the employee retention credit. So Adam, there's also two additional programs that have come out recently. One is the Shuttered Venue Grant and the other is the Restaurant Revitalization Grant. And I think there's some confusion there over if you've applied and received PPP, does that automatically disqualify you from those from those two programs? So can you shed some light on the way that those interplay with each other as well? So great question, Kim. So there has been a lot of confusion about the restaurant revitalization grant and the shuttered venue grants initially, and we still get a lot of questions. A lot of people think that these have to run through a lender. You actually apply for these directly uh, with the SBA. With respect to the Shuttered Venue Grants, that program launched earlier in April, and you're eligible for a grant based on a percentage of your revenue loss from 19 to 20. And then the Restaurant Revitalization Grant launched Monday, May 3rd, and for the first 21 days of the application process and and submitting applications, the SBA is prioritizing applications from minorities But after that, the program will open up to everyone else. There's roughly $28 billion allocated to that program. And just real quick, because we've we've gotten this question a lot on the revitalization grant, the the quick high-level loan calculation or or the grant amount for that program is you take your 2019 revenue over your 2020 revenue, you take your revenue loss, and then you subtract out the amount of PPP that you received in rounds one and or two, and that's how you arrive at your grant amount. Will we ever see PPP again? Is this is this the start of something new going forward? Is this a is this something we can expect to see? Kind of what's your thoughts around that area? So I'm curious to see what Mark thinks about this and what he's hearing in the industry. But what we're hearing some chatter about is is possibly in the next fiscal crisis, PPP being another tool that Congress uses to stimulate the economy. You know, Adam, that's, that's a great point. And that's kind of what's been talked about. I mean, there was already around in Nagel, they were discussing around three of PPP. And, you know, I, it depends on your political views and we could get into how we feel about that. And I, I don't know if that benefits anybody, but I don't know how good, how much is too much and, and how far have we gone and when does it need to stop? Um, you've got so many people now that are, staying home and not working, whether it be from unemployment benefits or they got their money through uh, PPP and the venue is still shut or whatever it might be. And what we're now seeing and we're hearing a lot of in our industry, and and it's concerning for us and how our businesses are going to be going forward is that has now made the labor force be able to demand more when they're going to get jobs. And is that the right thing for these businesses who have struggled coming through COVID to now, when they got to hire new employees, instead of the rate of, let's say they were hiring them at $10 an hour, now you got to hire them at $15 an hour. Where is that going to stop? And PPP itself served the purpose of allowing them to keep what they could of staff. But if your restaurant couldn't stay afloat, if you, in other words, if you weren't making enough money, even with PPP to keep the doors open, 
PPP really didn't help you necessarily, right? It, it may have let you keep your employees on until hopefully you could open the doors again. But when you open the doors again, were you going to be able to function? So I really think the government's going to have to take a step back and look and say, okay, what did PPP really do? What did it benefit? Um, what industries maybe did it benefit? And if we use it again, it may need to be used for these industries and we use a different tool for these other industries because I don't think you'll ever see again, and I'm not the government, but I don't think you'll ever see again across the board PPP program like we've seen this time. Not only because of the industries who's using it, but because of the amount of fraud also. I think you're going to see a more calculated, a more uh, defined program by the government if we do have another crisis of this level again. PPP served its purposes in some areas, but where we are now, I just don't believe we'll ever see PPP like we saw at this time ever again. I just don't know how the economy can withstand it either, to be frank. So this topic certainly has created a lot of conversation. And um, I think the first few months the program rolled out, it was a lot of anticipation and excitement, but a, but some confusion over, you know, how would it work? How do you qualify? And then on the back end, same type of anticipation and excitement and confusion on how will it be forgiven and what will the process be? So here on The Wrap, we always try to wrap it up in 60 seconds or less. So what would you want the listeners to really leave with from this conversation as it relates to kind of the, the wrap up of the PPP program? I, you know, I would say be be precise in your reporting. Go ahead and get your forgiveness submitted if you haven't already done it. Hold on to all your documentation, at least for six years. You never know what could be done. And make sure if you're still in it and you're using your first one now, use it as it's been told to be used. Be accurate in your reporting and and be precise with your lending institution on what you're doing and how you're asking for for your forgiveness. Many areas we've seen where somebody said, well, I've used it all, but I didn't fill out my application right. Well, once it's submitted to SBA, and you get that forgiveness back, there's no correcting it. So be precise, be smart, use it the right way, and get your applications in for forgiveness. So just to piggyback off what Mark said, definitely dot your I's and cross your T's when you're completing your forgiveness applications. And I think the big development over the last couple of months has been the guidance from the IRS, from a tax standpoint, has been the guidance from the IRS addressing the interplay between PPP and the employee retention credits. There is some opportunity there. So just being aware of the opportunity there to pick and choose wages and maximize the benefit under both programs, I I think is a big takeaway for our listeners. Well, Adam, thank you so much for coming back. And Mark, thank you for being with us today. I think this topic is not not over yet. We'll continue to talk about it and we appreciate your time. Thank you all for having me. And if we can do anything to help South Point Banks there, we'd be more than glad to help you all. But thank you for giving me time today. Enjoy talking to you. Thanks, Kim and Paul. Always good to be with you guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks Mark. Thank Enjoyed it. Hey, hey, Adam, I'll see you. I'll see you out of the course, I'm sure. Same. Hey, sounds good. All right, see you guys. Take care. And that's a wrap. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review on your streaming platform. To check out more episodes, subscribe to the podcast series or make a suggestion of other topics you want to hear. Visit us at warrenabritt.com forward slash the wrap.